This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hopeland Church. We are in part three of Culture Conversations, Journey Through Thessalonians. And we're going to be reading out of uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to see what's going on in Thessalonica at this time. We're also going to see how this letter in this particular chapter, 1 Thessalonians 4, um, speaks to us, applies to us, and how the truth of God's word spoken here, written here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, by the Apostle Paul, is literally the word of the Lord for us today. And so, Father... We thank you for your word. Speak to us. Let it be strength and nourishment to our spirit. And Father, let us let us let us eat. Father, let us be uh, Lord full. Let us have a true spiritual meal that will uh, God strengthen us for the journey. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. All right. As I said, Culture Conversations, Part 3, uh, journey, through Thessalon- journey Through Thessalonians. And so as we discussed the last couple of weeks, right? So Paul's writing this letter. He wrote this letter to the Thessalonians, this particular church. He was actually only with uh, maybe three weeks max. And um, so we're getting into the part to where you see Paul um, really speaking to these young believers it is rich with doctrine. Uh, you know, it's just rich with good theology concerning salvation. Obviously, it's good theology. It's, it's the Bible. But his specific letter to these people and how um, it is very doctrinal. It's very solid. It's, 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 it's like the Christian life. Here we go. This is how you do it. And it's very applicable, you know, so, it, so it's strong teaching for these young believers and it's what can be applied so he literally as i said this i think this was this was part one that he accurately described salvation okay and, and its full dimensions and so that's really the focus of this chapter all right so we're gonna basically just read through this and we're gonna highlight some specific things that are just really highlighted in these verses already okay it's like There's these specific things, maybe three to four things. Paul tells these young believers, hey guys, this is how we live as as Christians. This is is what we're anchored in. All right, so you guys ready for this? Let's read it. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1 to 2. So he just wrote to them, last part of chapter 3, and it was ended with a prayer. Okay, a prayer. And then he goes on to write, verse 1 of, of chapter 4, finally then brethren, We urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. Speaking of growth here, spiritual growth. It says, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk. Okay, everybody say that when we say walk. Okay, so how you ought to walk, right? And to please God. All right, say that when we say, say, please God. Okay, so Paul's writing to these young believers and he's like, man, I'm about to break it down. This is how you walk with God. This is how you please God. All right, let's say that again, okay? Let me say that again. This is what he's saying, man. This is how you walk with God. 
This is how you please God. In verse two, he kind of says it a different way, but he's kind of reiterating this thought. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus, all right? And so I know you hear a lot of people say, you know, Christianity's not about commandments. It's about, it's not, you know, and, and no, right? We're not under the law and, and Paul's not bringing the law on them. He's not bringing the, the, the law, putting the law on them. You know, we're under grace. Jesus fulfilled the law, but that doesn't take away that these are the, this is the right way to live as a Christian, right? There's so much room to live in what we're specifically called to do. And there's so much room to get creative with our life and even our journey with God. And you know what I'm saying? But, but when we talk about just, when, when Paul uses words like commandments, he's saying, man, basically I'm, I'm, bre I'm breaking down what's right and what's wrong from a Christian perspective. What this is how we live, okay? And so so Paul is about to give them some pastoral care. Okay? Okay, so um so basically if we're to summarize this, he's basically kind of saying it'd be something along the lines of something like this, right? This, this is how we live for the Lord. Okay? So here it is, man. You got a church man that's very new. These believers are very new. They come out of pagan um, Hellenized Greek culture, so probably much of their kind of spiritual practice prior to Christ was worship of many gods, whatever God it happened to be, and whatever, you know, it, they're just all over the place, you know what I mean? With that, um, and living very just, you know, uh, hyper-sexualized life in Greek culture, you know, there were, there were not much boundaries with sex in Greek culture, just you know, basically, uh, you know, whatever feels good, do it. Um, and so I think some of those things parallel with our society today. And so, and Paul's, so young church um, that obviously encountered Jesus because they were willing to be persecuted and to stay faithful to the Lord Jesus. So they were a very, they were a persecuted church. Uh, people, uh, you know, being detained for having Bible study you know, and, you know, the, the, the religious elite were pursuing one of their leaders, Paul, you know, to persecute him and what he was doing. So it was intense. But even in the midst of a highly hyper-sexualized culture and a culture that was heavily persecuting the church, okay, Paul was like, in, think about this, in the midst of that, He's saying, man, this is how we live. Think about this, right? Like, think about like the value system in the early church was like, man, those things are there, guys. It's it's kind of rough out there, but this is how we live, right? This, this is the call. This is, you know, this is how we walk worthy. I believe Paul used that language to the Ephesian church, right? How you should walk worthy of the Lord, right? In pleasing him, right? So he's kind of saying the same thing to these Thessalonians, these the, 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 this church in Macedonia, right? In, in Greece, right? And in, in, in the Greek world, the epicenter of the Greek world, right? And he's, he's saying, man, this is, how, this is how we live. So in a sense, like, so what's my point here is that even it was heavily persecuted, heavily, heavy, heavily sexualized, just sexually liberal, and yet Paul, in the midst of that, challenges them 
to live for the Lord. And he defines it here, okay? He defines it. And so the first thing he talks about here is purity. And so here it is. What was the first thing? What was his first kind of thing he told them here? And here it is. I'm going to put it in point form so you'll have it there. But it, it was his plea for purity, okay? So he was, he was, he was, this was this urgent emotional request. Hey guys, um, we got to live pure. The world does it one way. We do it different. Culture does it one way. We do it different. Okay. So let's just look at this. First Thessalonians four, verse three to eight. I'm going to read this. This whole section says it all. It'll speak for itself. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel. Speaking of like that it's my responsibility to possess my own body, right? Not possess it, you know, like take responsibility. I'm accountable for it. To abstain from sexual immorality, verse four again, let me read again, uh, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. Verse six, that no one should take advantage and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. It's talking about somebody sleeping with his brother's wife, or maybe even brother here, it's speaking of potentially just Christian brother, the brethren, the body of Christ, okay? Verse seven, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, okay? Who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Bam, there it is. Isn't that awesome? So here it is, here's my point here. The world says, this is what the world says, create your own sexual boundaries, okay? So he, he, he names one particular boundary that was being crossed, and I know the word sexual immorality, it's where we get the word pornography. In, in the ancient world, porn, porn, pornography, pornography, that Greek word means any type of sexual activity that's outside the boundaries as God designed it, okay? But he's specific, he's speaking of adultery here. And so what is it saying? The world says, create your own sexual boundaries. But this is what the Bible says, okay? And the Bible says a lot about this, but I'll, I'll try to break it down in simple form here. But the Bible says sex is a blessing within God's boundaries. So once again, Paul's plea for purity, okay? This, this is how we live. This is, this, there, there is a blessing. God created us um, with this thing called sex and within the covenant of a man and a woman in marriage. That is the godly, biblical, Christian boundary for sex. And that is a blessing in more ways than one, but it is the blessing. Anything outside of that is outside of the boundaries God has God has defined here. 
okay? And the world may say it's all okay, but it is not, all right? It, it, it's not a blessing. I am telling you right now, I mean, we can go on and on about this, what, that, what it causes, what it opens the door to. Um, it is a sin, and the wages of sin is death. It does. The Bible says when you sin sexually, you, you, you sin against your own body. Um, you know, obviously it's not pleasing to God. There, there's reasons for that. There's, there's a whole, I mean, you know, this is just how God designed it. And it is a blessing, but there is a boundary there. And it says here, right? Verse five, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who don't know God. Um, and here it is. The Bible says sex is a blessing within God's boundaries. This is how we live. All right, let's go to the next one. First Thessalonians chapter four again, verse nine and 10. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Uh, verse 10, and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Once again, you notice each time he's talking about these things. In the very beginning, we talked about this, increase more and more, abound more and more. Right now he says increase more and more. There is this um, healthy, godly pressure from the, their pastor, if I can call him that. I know that's not his official title, but to to grow in their faith. And and he's like, man, you would abound more and more. Oh, it's awesome. You guys are loving each other, but man, you could you can go even deeper. You can go. You can have a, a stronger love for one another. You can grow in this. You you have not arrived. Right, and so I think that that that's what spiritual authority is for. That's what um, spiritual leadership is for. That's what pastoral leadership is for. It is for the purpose of encouraging people to grow in the Lord, and and that I am here as a pastor to put some healthy um, pressure on you to grow in faith and develop spiritually. And so here's the next thing. So first thing you talked about is this plea for purity. The next thing you talked about here is love for people. I know this is very basic, but think about this. The intensity of that work, that culture, it's like he, he brought it simple. Hey, man, guys, you got to live holy. You got to live pure. You got to come out of that stuff. You, many, you know, he, obviously he was aware. He met some of these people. He knew where they came from. He knew what they were a part of prior to encountering Jesus and prior to being in Christian communities. Like, hey, man, we don't, we don't live like the Gentiles. We don't live like the Greek culture. We, you know, we, we, we live different. We're holy. We're sanctified. We, we're different. And then goes on and says, man, y'all are doing an amazing job of loving one another. Right? And he's like, man, as you, you've been taught by God to love one another, and indeed you do it uh, toward all the brethren. So they were just, they weren't just loving their little community in Thessalonica. The Bible says that they had this love for the broader region and other gatherings, of course. I mean, throughout Macedonia, they weren't they weren't all meeting in a big auditorium. These were communities all over regions. And he's writing to Thessalonica saying, Man, y'all got love for people even outside of your your immediate house you're gathering in. So this is a beautiful thing. But then then again, he still encouraged them. Hey, man, come on now. But I urge you, right? He's put a little pressure. I urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. So the world says this. The world says this, that we pick and choose who we love. Now, I'm not speaking of romantic love or that one person you're going to love forever. I'm speaking of a love for people, right? Generally speaking. And the world says, you know, depending on where you're at, what you're in. I mean, the worldly system is like we, we pick and choose who we love. 
right? But the Bible says, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that we are to love um, our neighbor and our enemy, okay? So here, Paul's specifically talking about loving um, the, 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 the people of God among them, like continue to grow in love. I think there is something about a local church community that makes an intentional effort, an exerted effort, and an intentionality that, we, man, we're gonna love here. We're gonna forgive here. We're, we're gonna be people that forgive. We're gonna be people that love. We're gonna be, we're not gonna hold grudges. We're not gonna allow bitterness to fester. We're gonna deal with our stuff. We're gonna, if our brother sins against us, we're gonna talk to them. If our sister crosses us some kind of way, man, we're gonna follow up. We're gonna connect, we're gonna connect with that person. We're gonna, we're gonna walk through the stuff. We're gonna deal with the stuff. We're gonna deal with our issues together. I am telling you, this is Paul. He's encouraging them in their local community. Man, uh, hey, y'all, you know, Need, need to continue to love one another. Brother, and he used the word, but concerning brotherly love. And he's like, man, I urge you, this brotherly love, like in the community, it's so important that we choose to love one another, that we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we're not gossiping, allowing bitterness and gossip or, you know, just backbiting and jealousy and envy and all of these um, ugly things that destroy relationships. No, we're gonna deal with our stuff, right? Because the Bible says we are to love our neighbor and our enemy. So, so right, for us Christians, right, loving others is never an option for us. It's never an option. It is never a multiple choice. It is always the answer. It is always the call. It is always, always we must choose to love. And even if we're loving by faith, we don't feel it yet, I'm going to love you by faith. I'm not gonna, I might be hurt by you, but I'm, I refuse to gossip. I, you might've hurt me, but I refuse to allow myself to get bitter. You might've hurt me, but I refuse to allow fence to fester me. And I refuse to go to somebody else and talk bad about them. And I, I refuse, I refuse to get revenge. Okay, let brotherly love continue. All right, and here's the point too. Gossip, really, gossip is the result of an undealt issue within the gossiper. Okay, now that gossiper might have been hurt. Legitimately, somebody may have offended that person and done something wrong. But our answer to being offended is never gossip. Our answer to being offended is never revenge. We might have feelings. We might get some thoughts. We might get some ideas. We might even stretch it out in our process to where we're actually formulating a plan of revenge. But wait, hold on, stop, stop. If we have freely been given mercy, we must give mercy. If, we've received, if we have freely received, we must freely give. If I don't forgive my brother, God will not forgive me. All right, can I get an amen somebody? All right, somebody say love for people. All right, let's say this with me. Say, say I must live a pure life before God. And I must love my neighbor and my enemy. Can I get an amen, somebody? And guess what? These aren't just some hard, strong-willed, you know, bear down, I gotta do these commandments, no. Not, it's not just a choice, but I believe 
according to the word, because of the spirit of God in us, because of the truth of encountering Jesus and being forgiven ourselves and, and encountering Jesus and him touching us and healing us and saving us and forgiving us, we can, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, live a pure life. We can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, live a life where we can, we can authentically and really love our neighbor and our enemy. Can I get an amen, somebody? Here's the next one. Here's the next one he said. This is, this is the other thing. So we talked about purity. Talked about love. These, 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 these things that we as Christians are accountable for. That we must bear fruit in love. We must, we must walk in love. We must be rooted and grounded in love. We must walk in the spirit, live pure before God, sanctified, holy life. We must. This is the Christian way. This is the fruit of our life. And here's the next one. We must live an orderly life. Okay, we must live. I'm gonna read the scripture just here in a second. But we must live pure, folks. Lord, help us to live pure. We must love all people. Lord, help us to love all people. And we must live a life under God's order, divine order. So Lord, help us to live an orderly life in Jesus' name. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12. We're literally just reading through 1 Thessalonians 4. Verse 11, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. Say it with me, mind your business. Mind your own, that's what the Bible, my Bible says that. Mind your own business. Look at that. Mind your own business. Somebody say amen. And, and to work with your own hands. Your own business, your own hands, as we commanded you. So this comes from spiritual leadership, man. It's the word command again, right? So these aren't like commands like, if you don't do them, like in a sense, if you're not perfect, you're going to hell. Like, but he's urging, he's pleading. And he's saying, man, these aren't, these aren't options. These are things we were, we're, we're, we're saved by grace through faith. And now it's time to live it. It's time to bear fruit. And, it, and, and if there are things about our life that are out of order, that we're not taking responsibility from even the practical things of life, right? Hey, it's time. Get it in order. Get it in order. Get your marriage in order. Get your, get your finances in order. Come on, somebody. Get, get your relationships in order. Get your house in order. Get, 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 get those, those things in life you got to do, those responsibilities. Man, get it. He's talking about a very practical thing, man. Mind your own business. Work with your own hands as we commanded you. And who knows? I mean, obviously there's a context here. There's a reason he's telling me. Maybe there's some people that just kind of loafing around, floating around, ain't about nothing, right? Ain't, 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 ain't applying themselves like, like within their capacity, within their means. Maybe, maybe there's a gap there between their literal potential and capacity and where they are. And Paul's like, hey man, you, you gotta fill that gap with some diligence. Apply yourself. You know what I'm saying? Um, let's get to it, right? Mind your business. Work with your own hands. Verse 12, that, that you may walk properly. Look at this. This is so good. There's a word walk again, right? That you might, might walk properly toward those who are outside. Meaning, hey man, some of y'all, this is what he's saying. Like, 
obviously there's a context that it's possible here that there's people in the Thessalonian community that maybe are lethargic, maybe lazy, maybe just wandering about, you know, just not, don't, don't have the traction, even though they have the actual ability and the actual capacity to do it, and they're not, okay? And he's like, man, that, that's, that's, that's a bad witness, right? And so that you may walk properly toward those who are outside, and he's like, man, these practical things of life that you're not, if you're not minding your business, working with your hands, man, that's not, that's not a good look for Jesus and the, and the, and the community here. Can I get an amen? And it says that, that you may, this is verse 12, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. So, so it's like, man, this is for your own provision, but understand, man, how you work, how you apply yourself to your gifts, your abilities, how you, your work ethic does two things. It provides so you're not lacking and it's a testimony to those on the outside of the kingdom, okay? And so he's challenging them a bit. And here it is, this is what the world says. The world says do whatever feels good, right? There's sometimes we wanna do what feels good and not all of what feels good is bad and not all of what feels good is a sin. But understand what we're saying here. The world says, man, do whatever feels good. You know, kind of whatever feels good, do it, right? Just whatever you feel. Now, if we all did whatever we feel, we'd be in a lot more trouble than we are now because there are good things and godly things that we do that in a moment don't feel good. So feelings are not an indicator of a lot of things. Uh, many times our feelings are lie, a lie, our feelings can be deceptive. So feelings are there, we have feelings, God made us with feelings, but feelings are never in the driver's seat of our life. And if they were, man, we would be unhealthy, we would be out of order, we'd be lacking, I mean, think about it, right? Nobody always feels like going to work, right? There's certain things, I love what I do. Right? I love pastoring. I love ministry. I love to preach and teach. I love even the, the aspects of leadership and organizational stuff and the creative aspects. I love what I do, but not everything I do, I feel like doing all the time, right? And so the world says, do whatever feels good. But the Bible says, as we see Paul talking to this church in Thessalonica, you're accountable. And so that's what he's saying, right? He's saying that in every aspect of what we just looked at. Purity, you're accountable. In the area of your sexual life and your sexuality, we individually are accountable to God for that. Uh, when it comes to loving people, all people, those we like, those we may not like or have feelings for, right? Or let's just say those we love and those that are our enemies. We don't have feelings of love for our enemies. That's why they're enemies, right? So, but the Bible says to love, we're accountable. We're accountable. And here, our natural life, the rhythm of our life, um, the areas of our life, those practical things, that we would mind our own business. We're accountable, right? Um, work with your own hands. We're accountable. 
because that's a testimony to the people that don't know Jesus in our life and in our world. We're accountable and that we would lack nothing. We are accountable. So the Bible says this. This is like we, we're stewards. I mean, all of life, our very existence. I'm a steward of my very life and all that it is. So our very existence as people, the fact that you are alive and breathing and you have breath in your lungs, you're accountable for your time, your talent, your treasure. You're accountable. Can I give an amen somebody? This is a beautiful thing. That we're not just out here floating around. We will give an account to God. We will give an account to God. The words that come out of our mouth. Come on, somebody. I am thankful that I'm accountable. Because if I wasn't, I would drift. We gotta remind ourselves, wait, I'm accountable for my actions. I'm accountable for my attitude. I'm accountable, all right, for how I work, my work ethic, my character, I'm accountable. Can I get an amen? So within our means, in our capacity, everybody ought to be about something. I'm just gonna read from my notes here. Within our means, you know, and I understand people have things about them. Maybe, um, you know, certain, they, they, they can't do what everybody else can do. And none of us can do what everybody else can do. But that's why the point here is we're accountable for what's in our hand. We're accountable for our capability. Can I get an amen, somebody? We're accountable for our capacity. We're accountable with our means, where we are, what we have. What are we doing with what we have? What are we doing with what God has gifted us? We're accountable. Nobody, I feel like I'm speaking as a dad right now, but nobody should just be floating through life, okay? Now, I understand there's people that need intensive care and I mean, just to go to the bathroom and eat. Okay, I, I, I'm not, this went back to the point. We are accountable within our means, our, cap our capability and our capacity. And nobody, Paul's saying, man, y'all need to apply yourself. Can I get an amen? Come on, young people, do what you're called to do. You're accountable, right? So when we are not about our business. This is human nature. When we are not about our business, we end up in somebody else's. Can I get an amen, somebody? I I'm telling you, if it, and I understand, uh, busyness is not the answer, but being a busybody is, is, is not the answer either, right? You're busy about other people's stuff instead of your own. And I get it, busyness can be bad, right? If we're overly busy, we have no rest. We're not talking about rest. We're talking about not applying ourselves, and we're talking about more maybe, maybe, maybe it's fear, maybe it's intimidation, maybe it's a little laziness, you know, all of that, man. Sometimes, man, we just gotta pull, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta pull up our bootstraps, and we need to get to it. Can I get an amen? Once again, I feel like I'm talking like a dad today. So, but when we're not about our business, we're gonna end up in somebody else's. You don't need to be in other people's business because my Bible says here, mind your own business. So come on, somebody. The Bible corrects also in another portion of scripture concerning busybodies, right? Man, busy, don't, don't, don't be a busybody. Be about, be about what you're supposed to be about. And you, you ain't gonna have time to be in other people's business, right? Come on, somebody. So busybodies, you know what I'm saying? They know too much about other people's business, but don't seem to be taking care of their own. Can I get an amen? All right, all right, come on now. Somebody say an orderly life. All right, folks, 
We're going to end with this. We're going to read the whole chapter of 1 Thessalonians 4. Come on, give yourself a hand here. So this is the kind of the last thing he talked about, okay? All right, we're going we're gonna to read this last part. But Paul spoke about a few things here. The Christian life, man, you can apply this, man. You can apply this to your life. I think this is just a good message. Maybe something for you to go into your prayer closet, just praying about your week, going into your week, your job, your family, your own personal life, maybe your boyfriend, your girlfriend, that relationship you got, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe you don't have one right now and you're, you're single and you're, you're, you know, you want one, but it's like, you know, trust God's timing. And But what, what I'm gonna tell you right now though is man, this is my plea to you to live a pure life before God sexually. Live a pure life. Don't, don't get involved in all uncleanness, lust, perversion, you know what I'm saying? Sexual immorality, man, that, that's, not good. That's, that's not healthy. I'm telling you, when we um, operate and live in sexual activity outside of God's boundaries, it produces trauma. It produces trauma. Somebody say, I'm telling you, and it can produce a lot more than that. And it, 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 it's, it, it's trauma. It has the potential for trauma. The wages of sin is death, and, and, and I've seen it in multiple ways. It, it just, man, it just messes our soul up. It messes our soul up, okay? It's, we don't want to play with that. Somebody say amen. So talk about purity. Talk about loving people, right? You, this, is, this is life here. Purity, personal purity before God. Love all people, right? Love all people and live an orderly life, all right? Get your own house in order. Come on now. Come on now. This is all to the glory of God. Let's bring some order, some excellence to our personal life, our work, our finances, the way we live. Excellence. I'm telling you, God blesses it. God blesses diligence. God blesses faithfulness. God blesses order. Okay? Let's bring order to our life in, that, where, in whatever area that applies. And then he ends with this. He encourages them. They're obviously being heavily persecuted. And he encourages them with the second coming of Christ. This must be a part of uh, a true part of our meditation before the Lord in our heart and our anticipation and expectation. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 4.13. I'm going to read all the way to verse 18. And so I, I believe every chapter, my wife told me this today, every chapter in 1 Thessalonians, I believe, he references the second coming. Why? Because the world at that moment was dark, hateful. And they were being persecuted at an intense level. And so, man, he just wanted to tell them, hey guys, we're going we're gonna to be with Jesus soon. Jesus is coming back. We're going to be with him. And so I think as our world gets darker, we must, we must encourage ourselves and remind ourselves, purify ourselves, say, man, this world ain't my home. I'm a pilgrim. I'm walking through. I'm going to enjoy it while I can. But my eternity will be with Jesus. I will be with Jesus for all eternity. Let's read this verse and we're gonna close. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So he's saying, man, whether we die now and go to be with him or we are here when he returns, we will all be with him. That's the point. And he's encouraging them, basically, Jesus has not come back yet. 
okay, because other people were saying he did. And they're like, man, there's no hope if you already came back. We're still here getting persecuted, okay? So the, he's just correcting that heresy. Verse 15, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means pre precede those who are asleep. Verse 16, for the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the, the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And so what does he also give him? He talks about living a pure life. He talks about loving people. I'm saying, guys, these are foundations of the Christian walk. These are powerful foundations. The next, the third thing he talked about, live an orderly life. Get your house in order. Be a person of order. Be a person of responsibility and character. And what does he end with? Here it is, the comfort of Christ's coming. The comfort of Christ's coming. So living that pure life is gonna be hard sometimes. Loving people is gonna be hard sometimes. Making, bringing order to your life is not gonna be easy sometimes. But he's like, hey guys, check it out. Do your thing, it's worth it. Why is it all that worth it? Why do we work at these things? Why do we lean into these things? Because we can be comforted of Christ's coming. Okay, and so here it is. The world says this. There are many ways to eternal bliss. All right, and that is a lie. Um, the Bible says that Jesus is our eternal hope. Jesus is our eternal hope. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for everybody here today. I thank you for those listening to the podcast. Even if they're in their car, just going about their day, just listening at work, whatever it is, while they're working out, got their earbuds in. Father, I pray for them right now. And I pray, God, that they would live pure. Keep them pure, God. There's a blessing in purity. There's intimacy with you when we're pure. There, there's, 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 there, there's fellowship with, with the holy God when we live pure lives. And God, I, I pray that they would love those, even the unlovable ones. Empower them by your grace to love others. God, I pray that you would give them wisdom now. Pour out, unload, unpack, God. Download the wisdom we need to bring order to our life. Lord, we don't want to be people of disorder, things out of order. But God, we want to be orderly in our life and even the practical things. And God, I pray you would stir up in us a faith and anticipation and, and a desire to live for you because we will be eternally with you, Jesus, one day. So I pray your grace, your favor, your blessing on everybody here today. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, Join us for one of our weekend gatherings and don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.